Hi, guys. This is uh, Bill Farrell. We're doing another episode of uh, Rock Bottom to Recovery, um, where we uh, discuss all roads to recovery. Our guest today is Robin Houston Bean. She is from the Sun Will Rise Foundation. Robin's here to talk about um, the loss of her son, Nick, um, which... um, he uh, had an accidental overdose at the age of 20, right? Correct. Uh, and that was in 2015? Yes. And, um, you know, so we wanted to talk to Robin uh, about her foundation. She has an event coming up in July. What is the date of? July 14th. It, which is the Beanstalk Music Festival. Correct. And that's going to be in Braintree. So yeah. we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think like this particular uh, podcast... Um, Robin, like maybe, uh, obviously we're going to talk about Nick. I know he was an amazing young man. I've listened to you um, talk before about him. Um, <clears throat> maybe talk about, um, you know, as a mother, um, did you, did you, um, well, let's talk about Nick first. Okay. So everybody knows all about your son. Sure. So. Well, um, Nick was uh, an amazing person, and I think most parents would probably say that about of their course. children, but um, Nick was a really um, great guy. He was voted most memorable in, in high school, so you know a lot of people knew him. Crazy, quirky kid, um, and he was really compassionate. I think yeah. that was his best quality. You know, Whenever there was someone who was alone or a new person um, in school, he would collect these people, you yeah. know, and my, my daughter was the one who, they were 15 months apart, so they, she would be the one driving, you yeah. know, and every day coming home from school, there'd be a new kid in the car, who, who the heck is this, you know? <laughs> and that's somebody that Nick met yeah, during Nick met the was day. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, come, you know, hang yeah. with me, and, and he was a really nice kid, and such a, just a normal childhood, that's right. the thing that, when I talk about our family and what happened, you know, we're just average people, right. you know, he had um, a great childhood, right. um, Went to, you know, played all the sport, the sports. We went on family vacations on Disney cruises to Atlantis. Um, you know, our parents, ha- my parents have a place down um, in Dennis on Mayflower Beach. My in-laws have a place down the Vineyard. So, you know, he was yeah. always doing something. We have a pool in the backyard. The kids were at my house. And I felt like an involved parent. Right. You know? so, so nothing nothing traumatic. I mean, I know sometimes yeah. people, we always like to think like, oh, you know, there must have been some type of a trauma or something. It was nothing. It was just a regular normal childhood. Yep. Yep. He, we, there's <sighs> no divorce in either side right. of the family. The, I would say instead of trauma being his res- risk factor, it would be a genetic history would be probably his um, strongest risk factor. So, so when you say genetic, let's, uh, what do you mean by that? Like, so, um, <clears throat> On one side of the family, there's alcoholism, right. and it is throughout um, that family tree. And you know, I knew I know that as a risk factor. Right. So I was always worried about that. I don't want my children to grow up and become alcoholics. Like right. I wanted to protect them from that. And so from a really early age, I was like, you can't drink, you can't drink. You know, this is what will happen. And I educated them on that. Right. Um, so Nick is my middle child. I have an older daughter and a younger son, mm-hmm. and the. T- they all listened to that. Like right. Nick didn't have any problems with alcohol. And, um, you know, maybe he tried it a couple times, right. but that wasn't his thing. Um, he started smoking pot at the age of 15, and, uh, 15, 16, I would say. And um, he thought, because he was so smart, that he could outsmart genetics. Like, And he was, he was very smart, right? Very smart. He uh, took the SATs in sixth grade yep. and tested into the John Hopkins Talented Youth Program. Wow. He was in AP courses in high school. Although he didn't work to his potential. Yeah. Um, you know, he skated by doing the, you know, least amount of work you could do. And I think part of that 
became, you know, when he started smoking the pot. It really, his motivation went down and, and that type of thing. <clears throat> Let's just talk about that for a second because, you know, obviously July 1st is coming. Yeah. I know. It makes me nuts. Yes. Uh, because so many people, I just don't believe people are truly educated um, um, and I'm going to say the dangers of marijuana. And I mean, you know, um, you, um, and I think, uh, Kathy Finelli, I've heard talk about, um, when they, when they talk about, um, their loved ones and addiction, um, you are the few individuals that I know that had mentioned like marijuana, uh, Matt Ganim, I mentioned cigarettes, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, that's how addiction begins. Right. Right. And and also too like um, um, hereditary mm -hmm. the family genes and they know like they know for a fact yeah. that that's a main factor. But with the marijuana, I really, you know, um, <clears throat> do you, what like what information do you have like from from Nick's perspective when he was smoking the marijuana? Like the perception of harm, like right. he, it wasn't there. And yeah, he he would always try to convince me, Mom, you can't become addicted. You know, people smoke, people have been smoking it for years. Right. Nobody dies from it, you know? Yeah. And I'd be like, Nick, no, you know, like you're going down this the wrong way. He didn't, he believed the uh, big marijuana industry more than the scientists. Yeah. You know, like scientists are telling us, no, you start, like this changes your brain chemistry. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what substance you're using. If you're, if you're starting at a young age, it yeah. makes a big um, problem later on for some people. And the problem is, we don't know which person it's okay that they can, you know, smoke or drink, uh, you know, whatever, and they're going to be okay. They're just going to do it recreationally every once in a while. Right. And which person it's going to become a problem for. Right. And he rolled that dice, and and unfortunately, he was one of the people that, you know, no, once he felt that, I, I want to say it relaxed him. It yeah. soothed him, <clears throat> um, made him feel, you know, calmer. That's how he kind of explained it to me. Um which is connected to the dopamine that releases yeah. in the brain, yeah. which um, which uh, we've talked about on the podcast um, happens when you eat food, drink water, mm -hmm. cigarettes, a little bit more dopamine and everything. Right. So that's kind of the um, that release of the dopamine that kind of relaxes the body. And, yeah. and then the mind begins to tell the body this is good mm -hmm. or this mm -hmm. is needed. And so, right. um, yeah, so he it relaxed him. What else did he? Um, and I think it just it became part of his persona maybe like the people he hung around with yep. they they smoked pot um and it it's almost like a culture like yeah. <laughs> you know we're, we're the kids who smoke pot you know right. like a, and they get into that type of thing um and i as the first day i ever found him smelling like pot i marched him over to our neighbor's house with yeah. the, where the kid he was with and i told those parents i'm like this is what's going on and i'm i'm not i don't want my kid to be smoking pot so we need to be on the same page together not let it help happen yeah and, you know, I'm trying to be proactive and everything. <coughs> he just became smarter on how to hide yeah, it from me. Yeah, what kids do. You know, he was he was going down that road, and that's what, what he did. Um, he, didn't nev he never missed class or work or anything. You know, he was very functional in his pot smoking. I know some right. kids just kind of drop off. They stopped playing sports and everything yep. else. But he, he kept going right along with that. And um, that happens. I, I, yeah. I, honestly, I know people that smoke and they go and work out. Right. And I'm yeah. I, I'm the other guy. Yeah. yeah. If I was to smoke, I wouldn't be doing anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he was, he was a fu functional addict. Yeah. That's what I call him. Nicholas, mm -hmm. so. um, but that that led him, I think, let his guard down. Well, this isn't affecting my life that bad. And association, too, like who you're hanging around with, 
more experimentation probably right. started happening. I know a lot of things about Nick's, you know, life after the fact. Yeah. Um, from talking to other people and from talking to him a little bit, you know, about what happened. But I didn't know it while it was going on. I just thought he smoked pot and that was right. it. Right up until the day that he told me he was addicted to heroin, I just thought he smoked pot. What it was, was the a real shock. time period from the time that he started smoking pot until he actually told you that I am addicted to heroin? Yeah, so, so he was 16 um, with the marijuana. And then, um, so whatever age he was, it was like probably ni 19. Yeah, it was 19. Um, so it wasn't it, really a long time It in was between. not a long time. What the, the progression that I know happened now, um, it uh, progressed to pills. You know, first it was like ADH medicine, yeah. that type of stuff, out of van, you know. Um, so the, were those things that he just were able to get from other people? Other kids. I okay. can look back on, like, you know, Facebook posts and <laughs> yeah. see the kids that are trading them back and forth. And he talked to me a little bit about it, too. But um, at some point it went to opioids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he said that day that he took that first pill, he knew he was done. Yeah. He was. Ju it just made him feel just perfect that first time and then yep. that was it he was chasing that um how scary is that yeah like the first day he took it he knew yeah he knew yeah he knew and he went off to college he was going to be you gotta love his major pharmaceutical science <laughs> major um <coughs> Why did he choose that? I, and well, now I, I think like, well, is he going to try to make stuff in my basement? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But no, but I, actually what he had done at one point was he looked at what college degree you could get, the least amount of college to go for, and get yeah. the highest amount paid. Really? Yeah. Because he, he didn't like to work hard, so he didn't have to go for a master's and things like that. So, um, so he, did, he, made, he put a little thought into he this. He did. He did. Um, but he went, he went off to college with me not realizing he was addicted to opiates, right. you know, and that's, that makes me really sad that yeah. I didn't know that because we might've gone down a different path, Yeah. you know, and off he went to all those freedoms that you have without your mother ever noticing right. anything when you're, he's, uh, he was at URI, which after the fact I found out they call it UR high. You are high. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and people knew that, but nobody said that anything to me about that. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't know that? And I'm like, well, that would have been nice for somebody. Yeah, maybe that. if he gave me a heads yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <coughs> and he did horrible. That, yeah. That semester. And that wasn't like him. No, no. no I, mean, I mean, he was. I expected C's in college. From yeah. Me, you know, but D's and F's, and he was sick down there. Yeah. And he called me. I'm sick. I'm at the. Um, health center and whatever, and I couldn't talk to them. They won't release any information to yeah. you. And. Um, that's 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 got to be extremely frustrating. So frustrating. Because he's he's considered an adult, right? Right. right. And he would have to. Uh, he would have signed a release form. Which he wouldn't do. No. Yeah. No. No. Because he's just pretending that everything is okay. I got yeah. this under control. And at the end of the semester, um, you know, the grades came, and and he he was flunking out. Maybe I mean, pretty close to flunking out. And I said. Uh, I'm not paying all this money for you to go back to school to just fool around. Like that's, right. I still just thought he was smoking pot down there and just not doing what he was supposed to doing. So I'm like, let's withdraw for a semester and let's figure out what you want to do. Maybe you need to grow up a little bit more, you know, yeah. take a semester off and just figure this out. So he was home and um, he was not the same when he came home after that semester. Nick was, when I tell you, the life of the pot, you know, yeah. like, funny, funny kid. He came home, he was depressed. He didn't want to hang around with the same friends anymore. He was withdrawn, just alone in, in like, we call it, like, the, the playroom. But it was, like, yeah. the kid room that they watched yeah. TV in. 
He didn't want to be bothered with anybody in the family, and I knew something was wrong. I had taken him uh, to, to, to the pediatrician, which I had done with the pot, too, and, yeah. and that both times, it's kind of, they let me down, I feel like. Yeah. Back when I found out he was smoking pot, the, the doctor said, right, I was worried, here, help me, my kid's yeah. smoking pot. He said, said to Dick, Nick, just don't do it on the weeknights and keep your grades up. That was his message. That you know, was like, the uh, the yeah. medical advice. Yep. And Nick came out of there like, see, mom, <coughs> I told you there's no, no problem smoking pot. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his pediatrician was an old hippie, apparently. Yeah. So, so then fast forward, I take him back because now he's sick all the time. What's going on? They tell him, well, they tell me allergies, you know, bronchitis, whatever. They didn't think to test him for any type of drug use. And right. I didn't think to ask because I'm right. still thinking I have a kid that just smokes pot and is being lazy, you know. Um, but he was he was really just weird off, and I'm like, ah, oh, something's wrong. It, it triggered. We got, um, you know, when you do a violation when you drive through a toll, but, um, you don't stop and pay or something. Yeah. Like it came from the one that's near the um, airport, and I was like, what okay. are you doing over there? Like, what's going on? He hemmed, he hot out, oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Whatever. I'm like, why are you on that side of town? Like, yeah. that makes no sense. And that finally triggered something. Like, I just think he had had enough. He was driving back and forth to Lynn to buy heroin. Yeah. So he came and said to me um, and my husband, like, it was just kind of like we were like a little, like this fight going on. Like, what is going on? And he goes, I have to tell you something. And he goes, I'm, I'm addicted to heroin. Wow. Uh, when I tell you that it just, you know how when they say the felt like the yeah. floor opened up, my stomach dropped and I just, yeah, it was just an amazing thing to hear from him. You know? How'd you guys react? Um, well, I cried. Nick, Nick cried. My husband like stormed away, not knowing how to handle it. Right. Um, Nick at that moment looked just like this like tiny little, I want to call him like an animal. Like mm -hmm. he was just like shaking and. So, so sad, and like he had let me down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he always wanted me proud of him. Are you gonna start tearing up? I'm tearing up a little bit. We gotta Sorry. get a tissue, cause then you're gonna make me tear <laughs> up. Sorry. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. just that moment will stick with me the rest of my I life. I bet. How helpless. Well, I think he any was. any parent, um, any pa I mean any parent can can somewhat get an idea of what that moment would be like. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't even come Thank close. You. Yeah. But um, any parent, any parent could just. <laughs> this isn't for me. So um. it's, it's a hard, it's hard, hard thing to hear, especially when, you know, you think, oh, I know what's going on in my kid's life. I got everything under control, yeah. and you go, oh, I have nothing yeah. under control, and what have I missed, and how did this happen? Um, it's help. It's a really helpless. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what did you do from there? Um. Well, he wanted help. You know, yeah. he, he said, he kept saying, I just want to feel normal again. So, we, you know, we talked about what, would, what, what had been happening when he was sick at home. He was going through withdrawals and this type of thing. And he confided in me that the first week of college is actually when he became addicted to heroin. He had been in withdrawals down there and someone gave him powdered heroin. Uh, um, yeah. So I, you know, paid $20,000 to send my kid off to, to become addicted, which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, well, you got to do, you're going to do what? what yeah. you're going to do. Right, right. So, so we got we got him the help that he wanted. Um we put um he went into detox down in Gosnell. Mm -hmm. Um he was down there for I think 6 days. Yeah. Sometimes now like things that I talk about at some points they get you know mismatched in my brain yeah. and the dates don't line up and things but um 
and then he went to um, intensive outpatient with the Mass General Arms Program, which is a special program for young adults. Yeah. And he was doing really good because he, he wanted the help. Yep. Um, he kind of squawked about having to go into Boston, you know, like three or four times a week on yeah. the train and whatever. But he did it, and it was that horrible, really snowy winter, yep. you know, and he had to trudge through, and the bus they were busing people, you know. So he was doing the work. He was doing the work. Yeah. Um, if I knew now what, uh, you know, I mean, if I, – I wish I knew about all these other programs. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like get him involved with other things in recovery too mm -hmm. instead of just having him do that. So and what other programs are you talking about? So like uh, people that are listening that, you, you know, know like maybe. Things that are, are not just <coughs> involving, you know, having to go and sit there and listen to a group talk like yeah. the Boston Bulldogs or something like that. Yeah. He loved to run. He was on the track team. Like that kind of camaraderie, you know, we can do this together type yeah. of thing. Get your endorphins going again with a good positive thing. Right. Like that type of stuff. Um, or, or just the, the whole recovery community in general. Yeah. I, w I didn't know anything really about that at that time, you know. So I, I know there's this whole connection of people that want to help, you know, each right. other. And, and Nick was kind of just kind of trudging along on his own trying yeah. to do it. And and um, he he was put on the Suboxone. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, fine. Well, you know, if you're going to give my kid a medication to help him, that's fine with me. I know some people have this thing with yeah, medically assisted it assisted treatment but well i mean because it's like anything else you know there it it does have its uh, purpose mm -hmm. and um to to take the edge off to kind of help you as long as you're working a program yeah and then there's like yeah and then there's just people that are going to abuse it and right. i think that's that that goes with anything yeah the methadone uh, you know so yeah. so he was obviously so he was on the suboxone and he was yeah. working the program yeah and you know he got to see uh therapist yeah at Mass you know so i think that's a big part of it you can't yeah. just like here's some medication and just deal with it you've got to why why are you doing these right. drugs what's going on and his goal was <clears throat> to wean down off of the suboxone and yeah. which he was because i could see the new pills coming and they were lower doses yep. so so he was doing that during this time frame he became an emt for fallon mm -hmm. um you know he he had decided on a life path at some point he wanted to become a paramedic and so know, he had a so goal he did have a goal. yeah and, and a good goal, too. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? My husband was like, wow, this is going to be good. He's going to yeah. be okay. He's fine. My kid is back. You know how that grumpy kid came back from yep. call? Nick was back. Yeah. You know, the joy in my life was back. He was funny. He was engaging again. He had a girlfriend that he loved. Um, they had told him to get new hobbies. <laughs> so yeah. he started doing these butterfly knife tricks, you know, <laughs> yeah. scaring me to death. But you know what? It was giving him an endorphin rush, yeah. which was great, you right. know. We ended up at the emergency room once when you know we cut his finger open and the and from the, the butterfly knife. Yeah, yeah. But I had all I have all these little holes in my hardwood floor from when he missed and you know they stuck down, um, and the discharge paper said you know don't play with knives. You know? so, um, yeah, but you know he was doing good. He was no. he was finding that community. I guess there's a whole bunch of people that flip these knives and make the knives and stuff, and he loved them. And I yeah. could see him engaging in them. So I was really, I was really like, oh okay, well. My son had a heroin addiction, but yeah. by golly, he's beat it. I didn't, I didn't know that it's a relapsing brain disease, right? right? I wasn't educated enough. I did go to parent um, things at um, Mass General. They had, you know, these parent groups that yeah. you went to, and I learned some stuff. But a lot of the kids' parents were there because their kids were addicted to marijuana. Really? Yeah, and that really got me. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, why didn't I? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I know about this? Because I didn't I, even know this existed. We you know? didn't, you know, you know, 
with the Hobart Cares Coalition, and you know them because yeah. we've met through them, we didn't know that either. Right. You know, when we started the coalition, we were just like, we, we came in to tackle the opiate problem. But then at some point realized, well, we got to figure out what leads into it. Right, right. And it was through, like, all the conferences and, and the inf information that we gathered that, you know, addiction begins long, long before that yeah. with the cigarettes. And yeah. it's like, how did we not know this? I know. You know? I know. And so, but that's why we're here today, Robin. Yeah, yeah. No, so we can let people know. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't let them do anything. It's <clears throat> sad early. So. Wow. So, <laughs> in case you're, you're, you're listening or whatever, we are going to, we, we're uh, recording too. So, we're going to release the video um, in, a, in a couple weeks um, because um, um, we're going to be moving our location. So, we're pre-recording this, this particular episode. But, uh, as Robin said, she was at Mass General and... Um, she was with a lot of parents whose kids were addicted to marijuana. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to add in that there is a marijuana AA groups. Yes. Yep. And so, yep. you know, um, so, um, so obviously Nick is doing very well and you pretty much felt like you, you we beat be this we beat and went through it. Exactly. And what happened? And life, life was really perfect. <coughs> yeah. I, I, you can't tell now, but I, I do, com I used to do competitive, um, uh, body competition shows. Oh, okay. Okay. So since in my grief, I've gained, you know, 50 <laughs> pounds. But, um, so I was off doing my own thing, feeling yep. good about myself. You know, families have ups and downs. You know, my husband and I had some ups and downs. We were clicking. Like right. it was like my life was golden right it was then. Back on track. Perfect. Yep. I had gotten up uh, the, the night before, I, you know, I'll, t I'll tell you the night before we lost him. He was out with a friend. Yep. I didn't know this friend. They were going to the movies. Mm -hmm. Didn't think I didn't think anything of it because everything was going great. Right. Right. If this was like the first month or so, I'd been like, "Who is that? Where do you yeah. doing? Where are you going?" And um, no, everything felt really good. My daughter said, "Mom, why is Nick not home yet?" I said, oh, "He'll be home in a minute." I called him. He said, "I'm coming right in the door." Yeah. And he did. And he looked fine. Mm -hmm. And he put his head in the refrigerator and. I was, the reason, she, like she said that, it was like something in the air and made me feel nervous about him. Yeah. So I kind of put my hands, you know, on each side of his cheek and made him look at me. We're, yeah. Like the refrigerator's door open and we're in the refrigerator. And I'm <coughs> like, are, are you okay? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And I go, I just, I love you and I don't want anything to happen to you. He goes, I love you too, mom. I'm fine. I'm getting, I've got to get up for a six, six o'clock shift. I'm just getting something to eat and I'm going to bed. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I saw my kid. No. He went upstairs and he used, um, he texted his girlfriend about midnight and um, that was the last interaction he had yeah. with anyone. When he, when I got up to get, you know, I'm going to go work out and everything and I'm like, I look out the window, you put the shade up and Nick's car's still there and he should have been gone like an hour yeah. ago. I'm like, that's weird. His car, well, his car had been giving him trouble, you know, maybe he got a ride. Well, who the hell's going to pick him up at six? I don't right. know. And, um. So I just kind of like, was that sweet? I text him, your car's here, but you're not. What's going on? Because I yelled up to his, he's got the third floor bedroom. Nick, you up there? And my kids always, you know, light sleepers will answer me right away. Yeah. He didn't answer me, so I'm assuming he's not up there. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, oh, he must have got a ride. I'm like literally going to walk out the door, you know, got my shake and everything. And, and my mom's gut instinct went, yeah. go upstairs. And I ran up to his bedroom and I saw him there. Mm. And, you know, that is the last thing I expected right. in the world. And 
I screamed uh, for my husband to get the NACAN because we had been trained on the NACAN. It was the not this generation of NACAN, which is yeah. that perfect one-step you know, yep. spray. It was the one that you have to sit there and try to remember <coughs> how to put together, which if you're you, in the middle of trauma, oh, my yeah. God, tried to do that. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. I couldn't, it wasn't spraying out because I hadn't done the last twist. Yeah. My daughter's run up the, st she ran up the stairs with not calling 911, and we, I tried to revive him. I knew when I touched him, he was cold. It was too late. Yeah. The most horrible, like, because, and I think <coughs> it was more horrible because it, it came out of the clear blue. Yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting that at all. If it, if it had been in the first month or so, I would have been like, yeah, this is what we're up against. Right. I didn't think but you felt, you felt, I we're felt through this. We're through this, thing. and you know, being an EMT, he's got this rack of you know, <coughs> jackets, pants, all these EMT clothes hanging there, and it was so surreal because all these EMT and firemen and policemen are working on him right underneath that closet. Yeah. Um, the saddest thing, you know, my life's never been the same since that moment. Oh, I, it, I mean, it, it never has been. Is there any anything like now, in hindsight, where you're like, maybe why, why he might have went out and and yeah. attempted to so you know now what i know what i know so he had weaned all the way off of the suboxone yep. but didn't tell us he had called the doctor at mass general to say i'm feeling shaky and i think i need you to fill it again. yeah he was supposed to pick it up that next day and he didn't so he was all the way off the suboxone his girlfriend and him had had a fight mm -hmm. and couple days before, he had been in a traumatic EMT moment where there was a 19-year-old boy that was yeah. hung that yep. he saw. Yep. So I think all those things together um, and also the boy that he was with had, there was text messages yeah. encouraging him to come out. So I think there was this whole little group of things that all happened at one time. Yep. I, can I say if that's the exact truth? I don't know. Right. And then, you know, you play over different things in your head. Um, you know, yeah, this I, I, I don't know. The, the girlfriend knew that he had, something had happened the week before. She didn't tell me. She feels bad that she didn't tell yeah. me because we made this agreement. You know, if we're in this together and you're staying with him, you have to be on my side. And I know she feels bad about that because if she had told me, I would have. But he, was, he didn't want to go because I always said, you know, I'll put you, I got to put you in a, like a longer program, yeah. you know, more intensive program. <coughs> I, he was afraid of that. So he probably didn't want to tell me he was relapsing, you know, like it's so hard. There's so many different yeah. feelings, emotions, and so many things involved where you, you second guess yourself. And I don't think there's, um, there's any way, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't no. do it, unfortunately. And, uh, sadly, you know, because I do all these grief support groups. Yeah. We all sit there and do the would have, could have, should haves, and you do yeah. it. Over, it drives you crazy, but it's a natural process of this type of grief, right? Because you want to fix it, right? And like, even if I can work my way through it, it still ends up with him being dead. So it right. doesn't solve anything, but it's hard to get you to brain to to stop. And so um, that brings us to um, the Sun Will Rise yeah. Foundation. But um, how long before, like, obviously, you know, the the family. Um, I mean, it's just. The grief that you went through. Um, how did you end up getting to the the Sun Will Rise Foundation? Like, how long? Yeah. What was that long period, and what made you? So my family is broken. It's yeah. still broken to this day. Even no matter what I do, I can't fix it. Like everybody else is excited. July Fourth is coming up, and yeah. I'm kind of like, you know, like I've lost that excitement for life. Um, yeah. 
but at the very beginning was paralyzed with grief and didn't do much more than sit in my chair mm -hmm. and just not know how to function to do what. Luckily, my family, my sister is my rock and um, kept pushing me, come on, Robin, let's do something. And I, yeah. I got onto Facebook and I found some groups of people who had lost other people. And um, I found Ron, Rhonda Lottie. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know Rhonda, she's an amazing person. She yeah. runs the Brighton um, Grief Support Group. And my sister convinced me, why don't you go up there? Mm -hmm. Just check it out. So I, I did that and that was amazing. I was in a room full of people no matter what I said, wasn't crazy because mm -hmm. there's a lot of crazy things that go through yeah. your head. And um, I had found like a group that got me. Of course, it's in Brighton, so it's yeah. going to get through <laughs> the city and whatever. <coughs> and that, along with a couple other things, finding Kathy. Kathy had her boxing yes. group at that yeah. time. Um, and me being, you know, back then yeah. I was still pretty fit. <laughs> um, it was, I was like, oh, all right. And she said, you know, she looked at my picture when I, I was the person saying I was coming to go. She said, oh, God, she's going to beat the crap yeah. out of me type of thing. I'm like, I don't know. I'm really a, like a little, you know, puppy dog. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. So it was a boxing thing. So, But we didn't do a lot of boxing. It was a lot of this, you know. Um, Which is, is so needed. Totally. You needed. know. You know, we could punch and we could cry. Yeah. You know, it was good. And it was not just for people who lost someone. It's for other families who are dealing with addiction at so the time. Yeah, so just so real quick, if you're listening in, so she's re referencing uh, Kathy Finelli, and Kathy had an organization called uh, Let It Let It Out. Yeah. Let It Out, and yeah. you would go, and you would hit the heavy bag, yep. which yep. is huge. Yep, let it all out. Um, yeah, let it all out. Yeah, so you let it out, you talk, and which I, I, I just thought was, it's amazing. It and it, I know it's kind of... She's not really. Um, she. It's been um, not running now for a little while. For right? a little while, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure she'll get back at it. I hope so because I, I do too. Yeah. You I know. Mean, I need it. For, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I mean, seriously, like, so just to be able to go and talk and identify with other yeah. people and then get up and and let out some physical right, rage. Right. It's good. You know, you I work know. out and everything. Yeah. It's a. It's yeah. another uh, in uh, endorphin type it of a high, is, which is yeah. amazing. It so. Is, it's really good. So that's what we we're talking about. Let yes. it out. So we and did those two things, and then I also found hand delivered hope, which did street deliveries. Mm -hmm. So my sister went with me to one of those and you know I know other people have said it but when I can, when I saw the addict in my child then I could see the child in every other addict. Yeah. All right because before so, you know sometimes I'd be like ugh you know whatever. No. When this all happened I got a whole new perspective, right? right? So we did street <coughs> deliveries and whatever. And I, this whole thing of all these things working together gave me motivation and and then I, Rhonda gave me the confidence that I could do a group in Braintree. Mm -hmm. And I put it out there. We had eight people the first time in yep. this grief support group. Then it grew to like, you know, like, I forget, like 16. And then we were up to like 28 people. Yeah. You know, all this hurt on the South Shore with nowhere to go. They found me. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was amazing. We ended up expanding it to a second group in Quincy. And um, we have a closed Facebook page just for the people who come in and out, out of the groups. And um, there's about 110 people. Wow. You know, and we're going to do a third group starting in September in Weymouth. And it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a set eight-week program mm -hmm. for about eight to ten people. I worked with Aubrey at the Social Hospice um, to develop a program. She, wow. I, she let me use most of her stuff. And, yeah. Um, it's going to be really good. That's so, awesome. So we have a nice community of people, and, and I think it helps – you know, when you know there's others in your situation and there's a lot of, you know, 
parents who have lost their kids want to solve this. They want to stop this from happening right. in the families because they know the sheer de devastation that it causes. So there's a lot of advocacy mm -hmm. among these people. So it, it empowers you. You find a group, and then you, you can run with it. So you know, Weymouth has a really strong group of parents mm -hmm. who have lost their children but want to make change. So right. uh, you know, same thing happened in Braintree, Quincy. Um, so it's it's been really empowering to me, and it lets Nick's you know legacy live yeah. on. Hey. You know the reason it's called the Sun Will Rise Foundation is because of his recovery notebook that I found. <coughs> um, it says you know please be happy the sun will rise. Oh that's I cool. Don't know, I probably can't see it, but yeah. Um, like he knew even in in his you know addiction. Like come on, I can let let's get this going. Every day is a new day, mm -hmm. and so I th I bring that same message for people who are living with extreme grief. We can do this yep. one day at a time. Get through today. Today's horrible for a lot of them. Rain is like right. a trigger for a lot of people. Um, we can do this together. Yeah, you know. And and, and it's and the results have been fantastic. Correct. Fan fantastic. And I know also because I was looking at, at your we uh, website, the Sun Will Rise website. Yeah. And um, so uh, if you're listening uh, on the podcast, uh, Robin just showed me the tattoo on her arm, <laughs> yeah. it, which is also on the website, right? It is on the um, website. Yeah. It's a it's the sun, yep. and it says. Um, Please be happy. The sun will rise. Yeah. Uh, that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So you can see actually see that picture on the website. But you guys uh, do prevention, awareness, and education. Yeah. And what I thought was very interesting was that um, you guys uh, will put programs or help fund programs into schools. Yeah, we're we're, we're uh, so we're this is our third year of our. Um, fundraiser right yep. so now we've finally got a good chunk of change right yeah. we didn't have a t style now you get a little small bit um and we were working with magnolia um new beginnings yes they're another group so they were because uh, we weren't a uh, 501c3 right away yep. right so but we wanted to do the fundraiser right away so they were holding our funds for us and they help us with um most of our money to date has gone to um scholarships to sober living for people yes so you, very you know, important really important because you have people who are doing so good in their program right but they've burnt every bridge that they yep. have they have no family support anymore and after this treatment if they don't have money because they don't have a job either they're going to be out on the street and we don't want that right so we work with them in treatment facilities to to try to help that come together so our big goal this year is to really help fund some programs in the schools locally in weymouth brain tree you know who, yeah. whoever really wants the help will be able to do that um i've got a couple programs that i really would like to see and yeah. it's not just about addiction it's the early early starting right. things like calm classroom and things like that teach children how to deal with the everyday right. stresses of life so that we're not medicating to to try to fix that right, right. You know, which we're we're big on right you know yeah. um and and honestly um the um the um you know with that whole marijuana now with the kids yeah. uh, you know it's like oh you have anxiety mm -hmm. you know uh, yeah. things aren't going well right. you know right. and so i think those programs are extremely right extremely exactly. important yeah. so um <clears throat> and all right so let's talk about the um um the um the um, um Music Beanstalk Festival, yeah. Music Festival. <laughs> it is the third year. It's being held in Braintree. Yeah. What is the date of that? It's July 14th. July 14th. So um, it will be um, Saturday, July 14th. Where? Yeah. At French's Common, which is right next to the Braintree Town Hall. It's okay. It's the baseball field right oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. We First year we did an inside town hall. Yep. We had about 200 people. 
It was hot as crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Next year we were like, we got to move outside no matter yeah. what. And we had about 400 people the next. That's that excellent. Actually, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And um, so this year maybe we'll have 600. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it's great. We have a night, a great headliner, um, Aldous Collins band. They're a big okay. social band. And then the rest of them are, are younger, you know, college age bands. How many so bands? Uh, don't ask me that. Okay, eight, it's maybe? a lot. Eight. Yeah. And then, well, yeah. One and of them. they'll all be on one stage, so they'll be coming and going. Yeah, we're st we don't have multi stages. Yeah. At this point. Maybe Not someday, yet. Someday. Not yet. Yeah. So <coughs> they're um, the schedules on the Facebook page. Yep. Um, and in addition to the bands playing, we have a bunch of different resource tables there. Mm -hmm. So you know, Learn to Cope will be there. Uh, Fallon will be there teaching CPR. Yes. Manic Community Health will be doing Narcan training. Um, Holbrook Cares Coalition. Holbrook Cares Coalition yes. will be I will be there. manning. I will be manning a table after I get out of work at 3 o'clock. I'm <laughs> heading over there. I will be there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's excellent. And then we also have brought in some art as well. The Braintree Community Arts Center is going yep. to do an art project uh, there at the time, the interactive art project mm -hmm. for us. We have um, Susie Lordy from Rockland, who I'm meeting after this. Um, okay. She's doing... Uh, she's from 24-Hour Power. She's doing graffiti art for recovery. That's cool. Yeah, so we're going to have try to work that in. Yeah. So I have some graffiti art there. Um, and then after, and we have the food truck. We have the bacon truck coming from Charleston. Oh, so the bacon really truck. Good. Yeah. Everybody and loves bacon. Everybody loves bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Even Dylan was over there nodding. He's like, oh, yeah, bacon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. So, so they'll be there. And then at the end of the evening, from 8 to 9, we'll have our uh, candlelight vigil. Awesome. To remember everybody that we've lost. Um, we'll have, you know, uh, the pictures playing, some somebody singing. And it's just a nice remembrance for, you know, anyone that we've lost to this. So That's awesome. You know, you got to remember them. And so what time will that start? That the, the vigil should start 8 to 9. The day starts 3 and, and, and goes to um, 8. So. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I brought you a T-shirt from last year because our new ones aren't in. Oh, you can cool. Have that. All right. Let's check this out. Beanstalk. Yep. Beanstalk. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. 2017. That was a 2017 one. Awesome. They're and then you have a lot of sponsors on there too, huh? Yeah, we get a good amount of sponsors from our community. Awesome. Because it's only $5 to get in. So Five um, bucks. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. You know? I mean, what can you do for five bucks? You get all day of music. Yeah. There'll be free tattoos from Doris. Free tattoos. Doris loves, well, not real tattoos. No, Temporary not real tattoos. We know that. Temporary tattoos. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of activities and stuff going on, so it, it will be fun. And so families obviously can come out. And again, this yeah. is like, um, um, so come on out um, and uh, and check it out. Um, what was the date again? It is um, July 14th. July 14th in yep. Braintree at French's Common from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then they will do the vigil yes. from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And yep. so just come out. Uh, five dollars, and it's obviously going to go to a great cause. Right. Um, and um, what is that? One thousand. Oh, we've got the frisbee toss. A thousand dollar frisbee toss. toss. What so is that? If you buy the frisbee, I forget how much we sold them from for last year. Like ten dollars, yeah. I yep. think. You get a chance. It's a group. Everybody throws them at the same time. It's pretty cool. Yep. And with there's a target on the ball field. Everybody throws at the same time. If you hit directly on top, you'll get $1,000. If nobody does, the closest person gets $500. Really? Yep. It was like an eight-year-old kid that won it last no year. No kidding. He was thrilled. <laughs> oh, His I mother bet. was like, wow. Yeah, That's so. cool. And fun. You know, it's yeah. just you don't need any talent. So don't go practice you know, throwing your Frisbees because you bump into other people's. But, yeah, it, that's, that's kind of cool. That's a funny thing. Uh, you know, one of our sponsors, Liberty Bay, sponsored that for us. And, you know, our sponsors have been great. Plymouth Rock and um, Bunker Hill Insurance, they've got a big 
you know, like bounce, bouncy obstacle yep. course coming. You know, so it's, you know, everybody in the community has been really supportive. It's going to be it. a great day. And uh, so we encourage you to come out. And um, so I actually will um, post um, all the links and everything onto this particular podcast. And then we'll upload it and we'll share it all around the community. If there's any anything, Robin, that you want to um post with this podcast um just send it to me and i'll put it in the description um so thank you so much for coming on we're going to wrap this podcast up um we have um so uh, this is rock bottom to recovery we're on itunes Podbeans, and we have a facebook page um i'm also part of the holbrook cares coalition we meet the uh first tuesday of every month at the holbrook town hall from 7 to 9 p.m they also have a facebook page that you can go and you can look at resources um, if you're if you're struggling uh, with substance use disorder, or if you have a family member, um, reach out to us. That's the first step. Just reach out. Yeah, um, you know, Robin has um, uh, grief support groups, uh, and I'm sure just a wealth of information. Um, so just send us a message. Send me a message. Send somebody a message, and um, and we'll get back to you, and we'll get the information that you need. Other than that, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, Robin, thank you for coming in and sharing your story um, about Nick, and it's fantastic that as you move forward, um, you know, we're remembering Nick, and we're remembering him in a positive way um, and doing amazing things because Nick is an amazing young man. So uh, thank you very much. Have a great day. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you.